You're listening to Guys on the Sideline Podcast, where you'll hear opinions, predictions, and sports takes in every direction. If you're a diehard sports fan, this is the place to be. They've never played. They have no experience. But they have plenty to say. And now, here are the guys on the sideline. Hey, everybody, welcome on into Guys on the Sideline, the podcast. This is episode 81 of the fastest growing podcast, wherever you're listening to this fine show. This is your host, Jeff, joined by co hosts, Chris and Tyler. What's up, fellas? How are we doing today, Jeffrey? Good. You? Good. Doing well. Good. You guys notice I'm talking kind of fast. How come? I don't know. Have you discovered a new energy drink? (laughs) Well, I don't know if it's new, but have you guys had the Dr. Pepper cream soda mix? Oh, my goodness. It's one of the best things they've put out since, like, sliced bread, probably. The commercials are too weird for me, so I avoid that one. Have you never had it, Chris? I haven't. The other thing is I'm a big diet soda guy. Like, I'll just put that out there. I love Diet Coke. I love... I used to drink Diet Mountain Dew, like by the gallon. I've kind of gotten off of that kick, but um, for Diet Dr. Pepper's always given me a stomachache. It's something weird. I don't know what it has in it, but it's the well, only one that doesn't sit well. So, I, unfortunately, it's I've never gotten into it. I think you need to try the cream soda. I hate cream soda, like a root beer cream soda. To me, is disgusting. But Dr. Pepper and cream <laughs> soda, the combo. I mean, I would put it right up there with Carl and John. Maybe Donovan or Rudy. I don't know. What's like the best combo that you could come up with? I don't know, but yeah, that that's an intriguing proposition. For those who hate cream soda, maybe they'll add that to the next ad campaign. Maybe so. Maybe like, I don't know who the other greats would be. Uh, certainly is not Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. I mean, Ooh. we'll just put that out there for just a I'm moment. I'm leaving this conversation right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> Jeff. Too soon. It's like John Gruden in his visors, Chris. <laughs> All right, the, reason, the, the, the real reason I'm talking quickly today is we have got a lot to talk about, like a ton, and unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time to do it, so we're just going to jump right in. Uh, this is episode 81. What did you guys think of episode 80 with Cody Munn? That was pretty insightful, wasn't it? That was um, that was probably one of our best episodes, and I, I think I told you this, Jeff. Uh, I hate to compliment any episode that I'm not on, and I hate giving you any compliments and feeding your ego, but dang, that was a great episode. That man knows what he's doing behind a <laughs> microphone. He's he's pretty good. Little little GameStop coverage. You know, maybe there's another spinoff. Chris and I are talking about, uh, you know, what was it, Chris? Making politics boring again? Little spinoff yeah. podcast? Which, you know, there's still some need to do that because things are still pretty weird out there. Yep. So um, today we're going to be talking about the jazz. So we've got a lot to say, but I, I got to return while we're in this conversation here real, real quickly. Uh, episode 79 was a good one with John Boccasino, our Buffalo Bills insider, season ticket holder up there in Buffalo. Really sad to see the Bills go down, but it was a ton of fun having him on the podcast. We'll have to have him back on as well. Um, Tyler, could you compliment that episode, please? That was my favorite episode and um yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't I'm, it wasn't very because of me for him it, it definitely was because wasn't of because of you i mean that guy could have just taken over and nobody would have been upset but heaven forbid anybody gets away from jeff's legendary list that he's got for every episode <laughs> i tell you tyler that john boccasino is the guy that taught us taught me how to podcast so all of um the stuff that you're hearing we're on 81 which is sensational so uh, anyway, people are yelling at the at, at their device right now saying, Jeff, you said you got to jump in quickly and you just took three minutes to tell us something about something that really doesn't matter. <laughs> so did you guys know that our provost one, at one point told me, 
Jeff, you sure said a lot of things without really saying anything there. That is, <laughs> that's a true story. I, I, I wrote, uh, wrote up a quote for her in the annual report, sent it to her, and that was her feedback. So I was like, well, you know, guilty as charged there, doctor. I mean, the way, the way you've been so, rambling this, these last three and a half, four minutes, I'm just starting to wonder, like, is your wife just completely ignoring you and you just are deprived of conversations and you just won't shut up now and, and stick to your legendary list? Jeff, it's it's your it's your approach to things that is the reason why PRs are referred to as flags. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to respond. So, gentlemen, what do you say we get started? <laughs> no time like right now. All right, let's do it. The opinions and predictions on this podcast are right ninety eight point three percent of the time. All right, Tyler, you referenced the list. So, ladies and gentlemen, here are the 11 reasons why the Jazz are on an 11-game win streak. Uh, just kidding. I don't have a list. And just so you know, generally, I don't have a list put together. We just kind of we just kind of roll with it. But Utah Jazz, hottest team in the NBA. I don't care if Shaquille O'Neal agrees or not. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you. Give us your thoughts so far into the season. We're uh, you know a couple months in, and the Jazz are playing well, and uh, without question, the hottest team in the NBA. So what do you got? Well, I, I think it's kind of simple in the sense that I think if you look at the hype that we had going into last season, we're just sort of starting to fulfill that, right? It's not as if people, when we first added Mike Conley, it's not as if people thought that we were going to be kind of a middle-of-the-road team. You had people talking at that time like, you know, we were potential, you know, contenders in, in, in a team that could potentially rival any in the league as, as being really, um, you know, full of talent and, and having a, a lot of uh, a depth. I mean, which we thought we'd have depth last year. That didn't turn out to be the case because of several free agent ac- acquisitions that were duds. But, you know, in a, in a very sort of anticlimactic way, I feel like we're just seeing the promise finally fulfilled that we knew was, was sort of possible. But I would go a step further and just say that I think that they've even exceeded those expectations that I've had. And I think that what you're seeing isn't just sort of the jazz team from two or three years ago plus – some additional shooting and playmaking from Mike Conley. I think what you're seeing is improvements from Donovan, improvements from Rudy, better chemistry between those two and between everyone else, people buying into a system. And that's when a team starts to get really lethal and really scary. The Jazz can beat you on many levels. We can out-scheme and out-coach you. Um, We can just beat you with pure shooting. We can beat you with athleticism. And so that's when you start to get into this territory where – even me being, you know, the the homebody, the 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 Homer fan here, who's going to try to read the best into everything. Really, I mean, even you know, I, I feel like I'm being objective when I say like they look legitimate when you watch them. They look the way other teams who you know are contenders look, and you know, I I don't know how for sure we're going to square up against the likes of the Lakers. Um, I don't I don't personally worry as much about the Clippers. Not to say that like we would for sure beat them in a series, but you know, we beat them pretty comfortably earlier this season already, and they've just never been as much of an issue for us. So I don't know. I'm very, very excited to say the very least things are coming together. Um, and I'm excited that, that all said, I think that this next month is going to be a really tough one for them. They have a really hard schedule. So I'm just going to put it out there to jazz nation, like keep your chins up. If we're not, you know, demolishing every team for the next solid month. I think we'll have some ebbs and flows here and there, but um, I really like where we're at. And I think, um, you know, we're building toward the playoffs and I cannot wait for us to to get in the playoffs and, and do some damage. 
Yeah, totes agree, Chris. Good comments. Uh, Tyler, what do you got? So I actually agree with you a lot, Chris. I am not worried about the Clippers as long as Paul George is on that team and Joe Ingles continue, continues to live rent-free in his brain. I'm not worried about the, the Clippers at all. Um, when we play the Clippers, we go out there and we play jazz basketball from start to finish, which makes the Clippers have to adjust to us. Now, when we play the Lakers, we don't do that. We go out there and try you know, to do something different. We don't play jazz b- basketball, and then we end up having to adjust, and that's when we end up losing to the Lakers. But right now, we are just on fire. I love the mindset to where – it's you know it's almost like a championship or bust mindset which i don't i've never seen on a jazz team before i've always grown up with this we just want to be championship caliber you know uh we'll settle for that but right now we're not settling for anything less than you know the nba finals and that is really what i feel like is fueling this 10 game winning streak and um you know the fact that it doesn't seem necessarily like um you know, just like a fluke or, you know, a lucky streak of, you know, scoring and stuff like that. We're going out there and we're dominating the first half and making teams have to play catch up. But when even when we're not, when, you know, we're shooting nine for 20 uh, in the first half from three and we're down by 13 to the Pelicans, what do we do? We come out and we show resilience and we we get a comeback. You know, we don't just call it a, a loss um, right away. We, we fight back. And hats off to Quinn Snyder for things like that and just being able to adjust um, when needed. But, yeah, man, we are freaking awesome, and I am all for it. I, I was just going to say, just for the follow-on, Tyler, and that's a really important point you made that that has been an observation of mine too. It's the way we're winning. We're winning all kinds of different games. Like we can yeah. win games where we're playing kind of mediocre. We beat Denver in a game that maybe you know we didn't have necessarily any right to win. We weren't playing that great, but we found a way, right? Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell scoring 10 or 9 points in a game and yet we still win by double digits is phenomenal. Us beating a Dallas team that's finally intact again with Luka and Porzingis by double digits without Donovan anywhere on the floor and Mm -hmm. missing faves, you know, we'll see how it goes tonight. But at the end of the day, we're flexing muscle in terms of our depth. When you've got a, a bench player like Jordan Clarkson that can put up 30 um, that can fit into the system and look like a starting caliber um, offensive playmaker. I, I mean, it's just exciting. And then if Joe Ingles gets hot like he did against Dallas the other night, um, you know, you don't have to have a huge night out of uh, some of your other big names and stars. The, the the thing that I haven't really seen happen yet is Boyan really look himself. I yeah. mean, so we don't eat. We're not even getting the twenty per game that we we sort of signed Boyan, assuming we'd get. And it, it could take him a little while longer. I think that's getting a wrist surgery for a, a pure shooter would be really hard. I would imagine to, to kind of cope with, but I think he'll be back. He's working his way back and he, I think he impacts the game positively a lot of ways, but I, I mean, it feels like there's still room to grow, I guess is what I'm saying. And that's the other thing that's got me excited. Yeah. I've heard Quinn uh, say in a uh, post uh, interviews and stuff to where, you know, when those uh, threes aren't going down, our defense will keep us in those games. So the fact that we're, you know, fifth in the league in defense and number one in the league in offense right now, the fact that, yeah, we can't always um, rely on just lights out three point shooting. Um, so that defense has really been helping us and people aren't really realizing that they just see a 20 point blowout and they think it's awesome. But yeah, there's a reason the other teams are shooting 15% from three or, you know, and Boyan is a great example of that. Yeah. He's only making, one or two threes in a game but his defense has been phenomenal and his plus minus shows that really good guys Uh, a couple things i just want to throw in you know one of the things that i think is really really important is that the jazz develop the right mindset i do think it's important obviously to get the wins that's why you play the game right thanks herm edwards 
But I think the Jazz have enough talent and they've got a great enough system that they're going to be fine. They're going to get into the playoffs if they can sustain, you know, the the momentum that they've got. But more important than the W's that they're getting in January is the mindset that they're developing, the mental toughness. Because, you know, come the end of the season, that's the time that teams like the Lakers, I hate to give a little love to uh, Laker fan Ryan's Lakers, but the Lakers and LeBron have the ability to turn it up. You look at the San Antonio Spurs in the past, right? Tyler, you remember this? I mean, they'd essentially get into the playoffs, they'd uh, they'd crank it up a notch, and they'd become dominant. And that's mm-hmm. that's what the Jazz have got to do. So that is super, super critical. The second comment that I wanted to make is that, and I know I took a little bit of crap from, uh, you know, from Lando and, and, and others, but I really like the Jazz's offseason. I liked it in the sense that, yes, they got faves. They they re-signed um, Jordan Clarkson. I don't think we need to go out and get a superstar because you look at superstars, you look at like, uh, Tyler, how, how are Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook fitting right now? Oh, worst team in the league right now. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah. so the Jazz, yeah, they signed favors. And yeah, he's probably, you know, a, a couple of years past his prime, but he does just enough. And the Jazz already have the pieces. Mike Conley's finally starting to play like the Mike Conley that we expected last season. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of good things are happening. Donovan's taking a step forward. Rudy's playing really well. So really fun season. Um, My point is I think the chemistry with this Jazz team and with the athletes, the shooting that we have, uh, I I think is going to be really exciting uh, down the stretch. So I want to pause here for just one moment. Somebody has to represent Luke Isom's point of view. What would Luke say? What's Luke's take uh, on the Jazz so far? Oh, well, yeah. Luke would say that um, not only is Rudy Gobert the best player on our team, but he's the best player in the league. But I will say this, that the way he played versus um, the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, he was definitely the best player on the team and stuff. The only thing is, is um, I would love to get Rudy the ball more often, but if the threes are going down, obviously keep taking those threes. I think Rudy has a good understanding, though, of that. I don't think he's um, upset in any way, shape, or form. But... Um, Rudy's doing great. Uh, I think he's doing even better by taking all the criticism of his new contract, especially from Shaq. I think that it gets overlooked, but he is handling that so professionally, and it's not affecting him on the court, which is also phenomenal. Well, and speaking of Rudy, you know, speaking of this team's, um, you know, different ways of winning games, I mean, I don't think anyone embodies that better than Rudy, right? I mean, you look at how the Mavs tried to defend us um, uh, night before last, and you know, they're, they're kind of trying to take away the three. So Rudy gets 30 points, right? And and maybe those are would be looked at as sort of more easy baskets, things like that. But the point is, is that he knows how to position himself to take advantage when a team is shifting. And, and you know, although, you know, you and I both at, at varying times, Tyler, have sort of called on him to develop more of an offensive game, which, mm-hmm. uh, like, to your point, and I agree, it's not like, why wouldn't you? It's not going to hurt anything to do it. But I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think it's essential. And I, I do think that the the steps he's taken in his offensive game um, shouldn't be overlooked, right? I think just even catching the ball down low, handling it, doing the kinds of things you need to do to finish around the rim, he definitely has improved. And he can still always maybe you know find ways to work out from there and, and add those tools to his game. But um, yeah, I think Luke would be singing his praises as he should. And I, I definitely... I'm very just pleasantly surprised at the kind of leap forward this team has taken. Their ceiling is a lot higher than I think I, I originally thought, even even when I was being optimistic about it. Okay, good stuff, guys. And, and sadly, we don't have a ton of time today, but we did have to bring this part into it, and that is 
Shaquille O'Neal and TNT and their um, th their interesting relationship or take with the Jazz. Part of this is Shaq. I, I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. That's it. <laughs> that's it? All right. That's it. Okay, cool. I mean, I it's, I, I've been here, well, Shaq. I've been hearing that since my rookie year. You know, I'm just going to get okay, better and well, do what I do. Good. At the end well, of the day, you. that's what I want you to hear you say. Yes, Love sir. your game, brother. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Who wants to weigh in first on uh, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, so I'll go first on that. I think I think what Shaq said. He he did mean it as like a motivation uh, towards what he was saying to Donovan. How you know, like he said, he's one of his favorite players in the league, but he doesn't think he has what it takes. He was trying to fuel Donovan. Uh, I think Donovan handled it great. It was a little bit awkward and stuff, but like, what do you want? What do you want him to say in that situation? Like he said, he's exactly. been hearing that since he uh, entered the league and whatnot. I I also think that Shaq's just salty and he doesn't want to give credit. Because he feels like he's saying that said like somebody is better than him. That's why he won't say anything nice about Rudy, other than you know like, hey, if you average eleven points a game, you can make two hundred million dollars. Um, he's always been like that, especially you know uh, Dwight Howard. Um, he's been like that too. Same with uh, Javale McGee, who is a klutz and deserves most of that hate from Shaq. But I, I really love what Kevin Durant actually said, and he was he said something to the extent of. Hey, these players have coaches who they meet with and develop with. They don't care. These old guys just need to enjoy retirement and stop trying to be their coach. And I absolutely agree with that. One of the Amen. first times I agree with Kevin Durant. But yeah, you, you don't need to be making these comments and trying to be the person who sparks their career. Just enjoy retirement and enjoy the, the NBA, what it is today. Yeah, I agree with Kevin Durant, though. Yeah, to totally agree. And, uh, you know, I mean, Shaq and Charles, right? They're paid to, to cause controversy and to get people riled up. Did you guys like what sh what Charles Barkley said uh, when he said, I don't know why these players can't play through COVID-19 like we used to do back in the day? Thanks, Charles. <laughs> that was a well, joke. That, that was from our friends over at The Onion. But anyway, I digress. Chris, what's your take on the situation? Yeah, I think it's... Well, first of all, I don't think it's a bad thing for the Jazz as a whole because it's just the kind of attention they don't typically get. Um, people, I think, through the rest of the country sort of forget about the Jazz. We're kind of just, uh, you know, I think people know that we're a good team, but we're not always taken that seriously and definitely not looked at as contenders. So to start to get this kind of criticism shows me that that legitimately we are being looked at differently. If you watch that broadcast... They went on from the Jazz to to Giannis um, and and ripped him and said that he doesn't have enough you know tools in his tool set. Whether we agree with their analysis or believe that they're the ones who should be making it, I, I don't think there's any mistake in the fact that like that's part of the appeal of their broadcast. They talk shop. They they talk about what they see and they have their opinions about it. And those those opinions are entertaining. Um, and so I, I don't I didn't really personally have an issue with it. And to me. You know, I think that it's the way Shaq worded his question to Donovan that felt more like, you know, that probably it was just poorly worded, right? He was just like, yeah. I just don't think you can get to the next level, this and that, which I think I could see, and especially given the context of other stuff he was saying, that like, yeah, he's just trying to give him a chip on his shoulder and saying, hey, you can do it. Like, you can add to your game and keep going. But it just came out poorly and and the way it obviously hit donovan was like uh okay if you're just going to try to insult me then so be it um you can just be another hater or whatever so i think it was just a poorly sort of executed um approach where if shaq's really just trying to motivate him why doesn't he just say 
Donovan, I think you're such a great scorer. I want to see you impact the game in other ways as well, and you can really become a superstar. I mean, that's not that hard to do. That's all that any of them were really saying. Shaq is just, Shaq comes at it from this perspective, like you're saying, Tyler, of just being salty. And like, I cannot fathom why someone who was as dominant in his day as Shaq, like feels the need to do this kind of thing, like, and to keep like making his case in this way. It's like anybody who watched him play knew what a force he was and and how dominant and, and unstoppable. And so it just... It does nothing but the reverse of what he's after, which is just damages legacy in my eyes. It just makes mm-hmm. him look petty. So I, I think that that's unfortunate. But I think like Kenny, um, you know, Kenny Smith was was trying to break it down in a little bit more detail. And then, look, they brought up a stat that like it's a stat to debate and we can debate it. Right. Uh, Barkley was saying you've you've been in the league, whatever it is, four years now, and you only have whatever it was, three or four games where you've had double digits in both scoring and like another category or, or whatever, like a double, double or, or -hmm. whatever. And he's like, that's, that's kind of telling. That's not like, you know, you probably do need to get your numbers up. And I've started to pay more attention to those kinds of stats with like Dame Lillard and others. And, you know, Dame does rack up more assists and and things like that. So it's like, I don't think it's such a bad thing to essentially tell someone like Donovan, Hey, there's a lot of ways you can impact a game and try to do it. And then we saw, um, I think it was the game against, I can't remember now. It, it may have been the map. No, not the maps because he, uh, he didn't play in that. Uh, but a game subsequent to that criticism, Donovan um, didn't score many points. I think he scored like nine points, but he came up with like eight mm-hmm. rebounds, right? Um, so I, I'm not going to sit here and say that's a direct impact, but I don't think it's so bad to get in someone's head and say, you know, get get a few more rebounds, get a, you know, make a few more defensive stops if you can, make big plays on the defensive end. Um, so... Anyway, I, I don't think it was like necessarily the worst criticism, um, and I don't think it was bad for the team. And people got a little bit more riled up with it than they they necessarily have to. But I thought it was, you know, at the very least, that was the best, most entertaining broadcast of uh, the NBA on TNT I've seen in a long time. Because like that whole broadcast, they talked about the Jazz the whole time. When was the last yep. time that happened? And I love what Rudy said afterwards. I mean, like Donovan said something like, uh, I hate to make our team win about me because of what Shaq said. I'm like, great answer. But I also love what Rudy said where he's just like, well, hey, as long as we keep winning, they're going to have to keep talking about us. He's like, and I can't wait for him to keep talking about us uh, into June. And I'm like, that's the mindset I love. I love that we're, we're talking championship and not just, you know, playoff caliber or anything. I, yep, I totally agree. And that's back to that mindset thing I raised a few minutes ago. And I think that's spot on. Like, I think the jazz are evolving and they are growing. And I think it's cool to see Donovan and Rudy and the rest of the team kind of come together uh, because it's really cool that they're going on a tear in the month of January, but um, you know, May, June, that's the time to really, really get hot. So mm-hmm. hopefully they can keep things in perspective. All right, gentlemen, I, I wish that we could go on more. Maybe maybe we can get back and talk a little bit more next week. But l- let me ask out the door, real quick question. You referenced Dame Lillard. If you could have Damian Lillard or Donovan Mitchell, who would you sign up to a max deal? Ooh, go ahead, Chris. I'll let you go first. It's tough because I love Dame, dude. You know, I think most Utahns do because he, he feels like you know, we got this local tie with him and he's just great in general. I just don't, I mean, Donovan's so young still, right? He has so much career left in front of him um, that that's what would be kind of hard. I feel like if you bring Dame in today, he's an upgrade over Mitchell, personally. I think that maybe not by like leaps and bounds, but 
I think he's kind of an upgrade. But then again, I, maybe our system's sort of different. Maybe you don't get the same kind of Dame effect um, in Quinn's system, or maybe he adjusted for him. So that's hard to answer. But I'll just say I'm really happy we've got Donovan, and I'm glad I don't have to make that call. Yeah. So I, so I love Damian Lillard. I love what he does on the court. Um, I love his mindset. Like he, he'll even say, he's just like, why do like, why do I have to record my workouts? Like if, so if I don't record it and put it on Instagram, I didn't work out, you know, type of mindset. <laughs> so I like that, but I, I'm going to say Donovan because how vocal he is off the court and, you know, how much of like a, you know, a person he is to like giving in the community and, uh, embrace the community. Like, and I have no idea how much Dame has done that in Portland stuff, just because I don't follow Portland's, you know, uh, social media and whatnot. But the way Donovan has um, invested into Utah, I don't see Damian investing like Donovan has. So just from a human being standpoint, I'm going to choose Donovan Mitchell still. Yeah, and, and it, it's a tough question because, and it's tough in the sense that you probably can't go wrong, right? Like either one of these yeah. guys is fantastic. But I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Tyler, in that I, I think I'm taking Donovan. I like that he is younger. And I do think when it's all said and done, like, and, and maybe it's the system, right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. Jerry Sloan. Maybe it's Quinn Snyder. It's the jazz basketball that you referenced uh, earlier, Tyler. Maybe that is what we're seeing. But but goodness, I, I think the jazz and what they've got, I think you'd have to put that above Portland and what they've got going in their future. And so why wouldn't you take Donovan? So that's that's yeah, my yeah. take on I, I that. Do. I think we're a better franchise than Portland, personally. You know, we yeah. could get some Port- Portland blazer heads over on this podcast to debate us on that maybe at some point. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's It's a tricky thing. I will say, though, about Dame, and this is a strong vote in his favor. He's a very famous and vocal Raiders fan. He's from Oakland. So, I mean, I, I take, you know, as many of those as I can get. <laughs> I, do, I do know he is, he is a big kind of community activist guy. But to your point, Tyler... He's not like super self-promotional about stuff. Um, so kind of like Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn was huge with that stuff. Not everybody oh, yeah. knows that, but he's very involved in his community. Very right, true. Man. I do have one fear though of uh, Donovan Mitchell, and this like I have nightmares about it. That one day Chris Paul's going to retire, and State Farm is going to approach Donovan asking him to replace <laughs> Chris Paul, and. Everybody's gonna hate Donovan Mitchell after they have to see him every third commercial on every television channel. So that is my fear of Donovan Mitchell. The things that keeps Tyler you. up at night. I love it. If I can <laughs> have enough cheese for my nachos, is Donovan gonna replace Chris Paul? I love it, Tyler. Gentlemen, this was great for Tyler and Chris. This is Jeff saying adios and bye-bye from guys on the sideline. The opinions and predictions on this podcast are right 98.3% of the time. Not a bad 30-minute episode. We did good.